0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Wisdom and Stuff podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Boucher, and this is where we cut through the christian and tradition-based thoughts that hinder us from the limitless lifestyles that we, as actual children of God, are designed to walk in. So let's go ahead and dive into the Word and see what the Holy Spirit has for us today. Okay, glory to God. Father, we worship you. Glory to your name. Father, we just thank you for today. We just thank you, Lord God, for your goodness. Thank you for the word of God. We come in with, Father God, just eyes that see and ears that hear and hearts that understand, Lord God, what the Spirit would have and what the Spirit would be speaking to the church, Lord God, to us personally today. I just thank you, Lord God, that that, uh, we allow him by the anointing to destroy the yoke and remove the burden, Father God, I just thank you that we just simply allow you to be God today. We allow you to be on the throne today. We just give you the glory and the praise today, Lord God, that that you are high and lifted up. Jesus is high and lifted up. And we just thank you for your word and for the Holy Ghost who guides us into all truth today in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well today, let's turn over to to Mark chapter 5. Now, in Mark chapter 5, um... We see the account of uh, the Madman of Gadara, okay. And the Madman of Gadara, what happened was, and I'm just going to kind of give a summary of it, and then we're going to come back and read the account and and kind of get into this and and um, but what happens is is uh, Jesus and his disciples they come over the, the the sea and they they land you know on the on the the coast of the Gadarenes and immediately it says there uh, a guy with a bunch of devils comes out, you know, and he is just a mess. You know, he's he's naked. He's been cutting himself he, with stones. He's he's just all over the place. I mean, he's just the madman of Gadara. You know, he's he's got uh, uh, potentially thousands of demons in him, and um, and we know what ends up happening here is Jesus ends up casting the devils into this herd of pigs, herd of swine, and it says there was two thousand swine and the, the the pigs they ran down this steep hill into the sea and they drowned themselves in the sea. So this is quite the situation. You understand this is this is something, you know, where this guy totally freaking out comes to Jesus. Everybody's afraid of him as far as, you know, in in the countryside, you know, in the in the you know, of, of the villagers and stuff. They're all afraid of this guy. This guy has been freaking them out for years probably. And then he comes and then Jesus casts the devil into these pigs, and then these pigs, two thousand pigs, run down this hill and into the sea, and they drown themselves. So now you've got madman, then you've got pigs, and you've got dead pigs and drowned pigs and squealing, and we, you know, this is just quite the commotion. Now, uh, in this verse, you know, the Lord was he, when Pastor Brian asked me to, to teach today. Um, uh, just a couple weeks ago, I just I began to just to pray into it, and about a week and a half ago or so, uh, th- this, uh, this verse kept coming up into my heart, this text about the madman. And I kept thinking about it, of course, and this is not something that a lot of people teach out of. We, we, we read the account, you know, we, and we're familiar with the account. Not a lot of teaching necessarily comes out of this. Um, one thing I find is interesting is that we know in at the end of John, the end of the book of John, John says that if everything Jesus did was recorded that the whole earth couldn't fill could, couldn't hold the volumes of it, that he did so much just in his time on the earth that it was just ridiculous how much he did. And so that tells me something that that what we do have recorded is of utmost importance sin because if if he if he could have I mean if, if we could just fill volume after volume after volume of, of stuff that he did yet that wasn't recorded, then by the Holy Ghost, these things that were recorded have so much to do with you and I and our growth and they're so valuable that the Holy Ghost saw fit to put these things down when they're for basically I, you could put it this way for everything that's written down, you could say a hundred things weren't written down. And it doesn't mean that those things weren't important. It's just that these are the things that are vital to my growth. They're vital to my freedom, vital to my daily walk with him. Or else they wouldn't be written down. Not only that, but you have, you know, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, on all, all, all three of those Gospels, this account is recorded. So it's it's not only so important to the Holy Ghost that it get recorded, it's important to the Holy Ghost that it gets recorded three times. Okay, so that just tells me that that, that this is of utmost importance, and we also have to understand that this is not about demons and pigs, okay? The the, the account has to do with demons and pigs, obviously, um, and Jesus setting them free, but do you know how many times since I've been saved, how many times... I've had to cast thousands of devils out of an individual and, and get them into a herd of pigs and have the pigs go and kill themselves. I can count literally on zero hands how many that how many times it's happened to me, right? And so we know that that's not what this is necessarily about when it comes to my life. He's not showing me how to cast demons into pigs. That's not what he's showing me. He's showing me something else. It has to do with something else besides demons and pigs. And so... What we have to do is we have to learn to go into the Word and say, okay, what does this have to do with me? What you know, What is this likened unto my life? What does it have to do with my freedom? Because apparently it, it is, has everything to do with me because it's in the Word of God that I carry. It's in the Word of God given to me by God Himself. God wrote this, this book and he gave, he gave it to me so that I could learn of my freedom and walk in it in a fuller level, in a higher level. So let's just kind of get into this here. Um... Let's just read the account in verse 1. It says, And they came o- uh, over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had b- been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him. And the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with the stones. And when he saw Jesus far off, he ran and he worshipped him, cried with a loud voice, and said, What am I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him uh, much that he would not send them out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, and all of the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out, entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about two thousand and were choked in the sea. Now, uh so we see this, that, that this guy, you know, he here he is, he he's he's messed up, man, you know, and he comes to Jesus. Now First thing we I want to do is I want us to understand. Once again, this is not about casting devils out of us. This is not about us being demon possessed. It's not about that at all. But it does. It, we, we, there's attributes that we can look at this madman because there's a lot of details in this, right? I mean, you, we we have to understand something too that 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 there's there's a lot of de- description and a lot of detailed description that goes into this account that we don't see in other accounts. I mean, there's other, there's other people that got healed. There's other people that got delivered of devils that we don't see this account at all. I mean, we don't see this detail at all. Uh, there, there's times when, you know, it says that, and the multitudes came, and all that were sick were healed. And all that were filled with the devils got set free. And that's all we hear. That's all we read. Okay, so um, they could have put it that way. They could have said, and Jesus and his disciples uh, landed, um, you know, at the... At the uh, from the sea, you know, by the, the land of the Gadarees, and a demon possessed guy came out, and Jesus delivered him. And they could have just left it at that, the end. Kind of like the, the band version, you know, the, the headline version. You know, that's, um, yeah, they could have done that, but they didn't. And so the Holy Ghost, he, he, he incorporated details for a reason. This is not just to fill a page, and it's not just because, you know, God didn't have an editor on his back when he was writing the Bible, you know, asking him for so many words or so many pages. Everything is in here is in here for a reason. Okay, when I when I see detailed information, I have to begin to go through it and say, okay, what does this have to do with me? And so one thing I want us to understand is that we can start looking at attributes of the madman, and we can start seeing. Uh, how this affects our life. And I, again, I'm not saying that, that we're demon-possessed or anything else, but I am saying that w- what happens is that, that here this guy is, he's in, he, he doesn't live in the town, he lives out in the wilderness somewhere, and just every now and then he would come and torment people. And uh, in, in one of the other um, uh, accounts, you know, in the other Gospels, it says that he wouldn't let anybody pass by. You know, and this, this to me, it goes to the characteristics that come up on the inside of us every now and then. That here's just, just every now and then, you know, we can be walking through our daily life and then just once in a while something comes up out of our soul, something comes up that we act a certain way that we know is not the real us. You know, we, we act, we have habits, we have behavior patterns, we have, um, uh, you know, just Issues as far as it could be, it could be sin or it could be just issues of our soul. Like I'm talking about anger or jealousy. Um, I could, insecurities, fears, uh, you know, just bitterness, unforgiveness, you know, different things that come up, you know, where, where sometimes we're just, we just kind of, or, you know, like I said, it could be some sinful behavior that, that it seems to keep us bound up. You know, this, understand that the effect that was having, what was this, what was the effect of this on this community? You know they, they 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 felt okay in town, but they couldn't actually go out even for a picnic and feel safe with their family because they didn't know if the madman was going to come out. Right? They couldn't. They definitely couldn't go from town to town because it says he wouldn't even let people pass by. The, the the there's there's patterns of behavior in our life that resemble this madman. There's patterns of behavior in our life that just it's not there all the time. And there, it may be subtle enough on the outward that nobody around notices, but you know it's there. I'm just talking about thought, pa- thought processes. Like I said, it could be fear, insecurity. It says that his name was Legion because there were many. There's many faces to this. Okay, and one of the last things we want to do is deny that, that these things exist in our life. Because if I'm not totally free, if I'm not t- walking in total 100% freedom, if I'm not walking in Jesus kind of freedom, then there's still issues in my life that need to be dealt with, and these are things like I said, just it could be doubt and unbelief, it could be just fear, it could be insecurity, it could be like said jealousy or envy or or rage or anger that just kind of flares up time to time or, or something like that. But whatever it is. There are, there are things that, that you know, it, it limits how we dream. It limits how we actually, our potential in what we believe we can do or can't do. Because, the, you know, the moment that we begin to step out into something, we're thinking, well, yeah, you know, but what about this issue I have? You know, yeah, I know God wants me to do this. I know that he's put it on my heart to do the, certain things. I know that I'm called to do certain things, but there are still issues that come up from time to time. You see, and that's the madman. He's not there all the time. He just comes out every now and then and just, you know, does stupid things. Freaks you out. And so, uh, this is what what I I really believe, like I said, we can just be free of this. Praise God. I believe there's freedom. I believe that that God doesn't want us to be like the madman. You know, it's kind of like the Incredible Hulk, you know, that that, most of the time he's one way, but then something triggers something, and brah, here comes the Incredible Hulk, ah, you know, and it's something that, that totally messes up the situation, totally messes up everything around it, and then goes back to normal. And you don't you just don't always know when that's when it's going to happen. But it keeps you bound up. It keeps you in a place of of constantly on your guard, not knowing, you know, because you know, hey, the madman could come out. The madman is it could be just right there, you know, and. Um, And none of us want the madman. We don't want to live that way. And like I said, it's not that the fact that we're demon-possessed or anything like that. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is this, is that there is freedom for us. Just as much as this man, he lived this way for quite a while, and then this day he got free. Praise God. I believe today is the day of salvation. I believe today is the day of freedom. I believe that today we can be free. I believe that. And what we have to do, though, is we have to begin to process out some of the, the information given to us in this account and realize it's there for a reason. And so I don't want to identify with the madman. I want to, I want to identify the, the, the characteristics of the madman that I can be free from, praise God, and just access the freedom in Jesus. But I do need to begin to point them out. I do need to be begin to say, oh, Yo, you can't hide like that anymore. You can't, you know, you can't go running off and doing whatever you want to do. Um, now, let's look at some of these things. Uh, another attribute of the madman, once again, he's, um, uh, you know, it, it had, there's obviously different faces. Like I said, his name is Legion. But notice what he also says in um, verse uh, 5. It says in always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. He's it says night and day he was doing this. Night and day he was crying, cutting himself with stones. He's not happy. You know, when 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 madman stuff comes comes up, you know, we know it's not the real us. We know it's it's not who we're designed to be. It's no we know that we should be free of this stuff. And it says that he's actually cutting himself with stones. And so that what that tells me is this is this is the mark of self-sabotage. That that there are things in our life that we will self-sabotage, um, that uh you know, in here's here's what happens is that is that there there's defense mechanisms in our in our um, souls, in our minds, in our emotional realm. There's different this insecurities and fears that begin to fuel things. And it's you know we know that the enemy attacks us, we know we know that there's certain circumstances around us that, that are just, you know, not the will of God and, and they, they come against us once in a while. But when you see cycles in your life, and you see patterns in your life, it says he did it night and day, it says this was a, a, a continual thing with him. When you start seeing patterns and cycles in your life that it you know, just month after month or year after year, and it's the same thing over and over again, then that's not an attack anymore. It may have begun as an attack, but we what happened is the, the enemy can attack us sometimes, and what we'll end up doing is we'll begin to identify with the attack with the attack, which is what the enemy wants us to do, so we become we we partake of an identity that isn't us. And so what happens is if I, if I partake of the identity of being a victim to these things, then now suddenly the enemy is not attacking me anymore. I'm propagating this in my life. I'm actually fueling this, I'm self-sabotaging. He's cutting himself with stones over and over again. He's crying, and he's cutting himself with stones. And so, you know, it's like somebody going, man, I don't know, could you imagine this madman? up so going, I don't know why everywhere I go, everywhere I go, I seem to get cut up. Everywhere I go, I seem to get hurt. Everywhere I go, my you know, my, my arms, my sides, and my legs end up getting cuts all over him. Well, he's the one holding the knife. You know, he's the one holding it. And so this is what happens is, is you know, I, I learned a long time ago that The common denominator everywhere I go is me. And so if I keep running into the same hurt and the same pain and the same, uh, you know, maybe rejection issues or the same, uh, uh, you know, uh, insecurities or fears or whatever, then I have to realize this is not an attack of the enemy. This is something coming up out of me. right? In, In Matthew chapter 12, starts in like verse 33 down through verse 35, he says the good man out of the good treasure of his heart is producing good things. But the evil man, the evil treasure of his heart is producing evil things. We know in Proverbs it says, "Guard your heart because out of it proceeds all the issues of life." You your 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 heart's producing everything. You know, and you know, like in, in Matthew seven, Jesus said, "Whatever you seek is what you find." Right? Whatever you seek is what you find. Well, what we have to realize is is if whatever I seek, I find, then by just just deductive reasoning, I have to realize that whatever I'm currently finding is what I've been seeking. If I'm finding hurt, then that's really what I'm seeking. Doesn't mean that I like it. This guy's cutting himself. And he's crying while he's doing it. Right? So it doesn't mean I'm liking what I'm walking into. It doesn't mean and my my spirit can't stand it. But my soul will begin to reproduce things. Like I said, there's a, there is There is one thing when you just get attacked once in a while. But when it's a continual cycle, then you can't call it an attack anymore. You have to realize it's now called a harvest. It's actually fruit that's coming out of you. And and but what happens is our soul begins to identify with hurt, with pain, with bitterness, with unforgiveness, with offense. And, and because our, our soul begins to identify with that, it begins to produce those things. Once again, we have to guard our heart because Adam perceives the issues of life. The good man produces good things, but the evil man produces evil things. And so, if if my heart is full of certain things, it's going to begin to produce those things in my life. And I can't I can't blame it on the enemy, and I can't blame it on the people around me, and I can't blame it on the circumstance. Uh, I have to begin to look at something and say, No, no, I don't want to be self sabotaging anymore. I don't want to. Um, uh, you know, I you know I don't want to be that person that is is blaming the enemy every day and realizing, well, if I'm finding it, it's because it's it's really it's part of me is seeking it. Part of me gets comfortable with the hurt and the pain. Part of me gets comfortable with the offense. Part of part of me gets comfortable with unforgiveness, and we we can't be comfortable with it. We we have to begin to press into something here. But man, praise God, this guy got free, and we can be free too. Glory to God. Um, but we need to uh uh. We need to realize that that this is. Notice what it says here. It says this two different times um, in verse 4. It says, uh, well, this is certain verse. Uh, verse 4 it says, um, verse 3. It says, Who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him. So it says right there, No man could bind him. No, not with chains. Because he had often been bound with fetters, that's shackles, it's like ankle shackles, shackles and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. So two different times it says your man could not tame him, man could not bind him. Okay, now, and then it says, because he, because many times, not just one time, it says because he had often been bound with fetters, that's, that's those ankle shackles, and with chains. Now, I want you to see the picture of this. There's a community being tormented by the madman. They feel like they can't go out of their town. They feel like they can't go for a picnic if they wanted to. They can't, they can't you know, and it's even hindering what who comes to their town because there's a madman between them, you know, and so it's hindering a lot of what's happening in the town. And so it says oftentimes what happened was they w- they would ha- they would get a bunch of guys together. They would go and actually capture the madman. They would capture him. And they would bind him with chains and with ankle shackles. So they would put shackles around his ankles. And they would put chains around him and they would bind him up. Now think about this. They would bind him and they would put shackles around him. And so think about what this looks like. Think about the the, the, um, attitude of the community when they would bind him up with chains. Curious, he's bound up. He is totally chained up. He's got ankle shackles on. He is bound up with iron chains, man. And so think about that. Now the community's like, whew, man, got that taken care of. Awesome. So cool. Man, now we don't have to deal with that anymore. Don't have to deal with that anymore. Got him, he's got shackles on his ankles. He's bound up with chains. Awesome. But then, what's it say he did? It says, they, he, it says, and the chains would be plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces. He'd just break them apart. He'd break the chains and, and now suddenly he goes running off, madman again. Now think about this. I want you, I want you to, to begin to understand what's happening here. They are binding him with the strongest thing they have. They don't have anything stronger than an iron chain. That's the strongest thing they have in that day. They cannot think of anything stronger than an iron chain. Most people can't get out of ropes, right? But this guy, he can not only get out of ropes, not only, he actually breaks apart the iron chains. It's not like he wiggles free. He actually breaks them apart. He actually shows that he's stronger than the iron chains. Now, think about the attitude after he breaks the chains. They're like, well, this is, you know, if you bind somebody with chains a couple times, here it says it happened often, and you, you bound him with the strongest thing you have, and he just busts him up? That, oh, imagine the frustration. Imagine the hopelessness that this begins to fuel in people. Because you start thinking, we have nothing strong enough to tame this man. We have nothing strong enough to bind this man. And so there is a hopelessness that sets in, so people start just thinking, well, I guess this just something we're going to have to live with. And this is what happens in us, is that, man. there's times when we'll sit there and, you know, and I've been here before where there was things in my life where I got resolute about not doing it again. You know what I'm talking about? I will never do that again. I'm going to change from now on. I'm going to be totally different from now on. And from this day forward, it's going to be totally different. (coughs) And I'm going to be free. And I'm going to be totally free. And I'm I'm never going to think that way again. I'm never going to do that again. And, I mean, you're resolute. You can't, I mean, it's not like you're just doing it out of, you know, compulsion, you actually want to be free, you you are you are serious about it. You can't give a stronger word. You cannot, you cannot mean it more than you possibly meant it. And then not only that, but you actually begin to read the Bible and begin to pray and begin to get in, you know, you're you're in your word, you're in church and you're praying and you're doing all the things that you think you need to do to bind this thing up. Okay? And so you're doing all the things. But it says two different times, no man can do this. No man can do it. See now, but it was easy for Jesus to do it. This was not a hard thing for God to take care of. But no man can do it. And man, we need to understand that when Jesus comes on the scene, when we allow Jesus to take care of things, he is not wanting to try to control uh, the, 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 the behavior or control the thought process or control you, you know the, the negative attitudes. He's wanting to separate you from them. Praise God. You know, he didn't try to bind the madman. He just separated the madman from the madness. So now he wasn't a madman anymore. He's just a man. Praise God. See, he doesn't, he doesn't, God, when, when, when God's on the scene, what we, our, our best effort is that we're trying to control something. Our best effort is that we're trying to control it through, uh, you know, how we talk or through how, through self-discipline or willpower or something like this. We're trying to control it uh, some way. And what we need to realize is that God doesn't want you to control it. God wants you to come to Him so that you can be separated from it, so that you're not even anything to do with that anymore. Praise God. Okay, but this this requires us coming to Jesus. So understand that this madman, though here he was, he he, uh, <laughs> um, you know, he he's, he's self sabotaging. He's he can't be bound up. The other thing about self sabotaging is is you know, like I said, you know, whatever you. Um, Whatever you, you are finding is what you're seeking right now. You seek whatever you find. And so whatever you're finding is what you're seeking. And the, one of the things that we have to begin to identify is is that, okay, if what I'm finding is what I'm seeking, then I have to, I have to begin to seek something differently. And, and you know, let me just say this really, really frankly. Um, I cannot find peace if I'm always looking to be in strife. You know that's just one of them. You know, I can't I can't find joy if I'm looking to complain all the time. I can't find contentment if I'm looking if I'm looking for need all the time, if I'm looking to complain about need all the time. You know, whatever I seek is what I find, and whatever I'm finding is what I'm been seeking. And so I can't I can't seek one thing and find another thing. You know, right now we live in a world that that fuels strife so much fuels discontentment it fuels all the stuff you know where you know online people can go on and just complain and, and all about all kinds of stuff and they're looking for strife they're looking to stir drama up they're looking to stir things up and uh, or to feed on it or to agree with it or to whatever but if you're you know I'm saying you cannot find peace if you're looking for strife. If you're seeking strife, you're going to find strife. If you're finding strife right now on a continual basis, it's because that's what you're looking for. You know, and I, I have to get to that point where I realize, man, I better start looking for something different. You know, I can't, I you know, I, I cannot, I can't continue to find what I've been finding, so I better start looking for something different. I better stop being, I, I better stop um, finding some kind of gratification from strife or from offense or from discord or from grumbling and complaining about something or from judging or being critical. I I have to free myself from all of that stuff. Because if I'm seeking those things, then I'm going to find the fruit of those things in my life. And that's self-sabotage. That's just like me cutting myself with stones and wondering why I'm always hurt all the time. And so, but anyway, praise God though. Like I said, we—it's it's, this is not going to come through my self-discipline. It's not going to come through my willpower. It's going to come through Jesus. Praise God. There is total freedom in this from with Jesus. Now let's let's talk a little bit real quickly about um, what fuels the madman. What is it that actually, uh, you know, keeps the madman going? <laughs> okay. Now he says here it's interesting. Um, uh, first of all, let, let's look over in. Um, uh, we'll, we'll keep our finger in, in Mark there, but let's look over in Matthew chapter 8. And this is the account of, uh, of the madman in Matthew's version of it. In Matthew chapter 8, in verse 29, and it's interesting, this is what the d- d- demon says to Jesus. It says, and behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? Now that's an interesting thing here. That there uh, <laughs> that he says, Are you come to torment us before the time? So here the, the demons, they are saying this. Here's what they're saying. They're saying that we know your Jesus, and we know that you have the power to cast us out. We know that. They're, they're acknowledging that, right? But then they're also saying, it's not time for that yet. So they're saying this, that we have a right to be here. And there's going to come a time when we don't have a right to be here. But for right now, we have a right to be here. And so for you to want to kick us out is a violation of our rights. That's what they're saying here. They're actually saying that they have a right to be here right now. Now, you understand, they did have a right to be on the earth because of the fall of man, but they didn't have a right to be in this man who was a child of God as far as who, who had a covenant with Abraham. They didn't have that right. Okay? But notice that their attitude, though, and this is the attitude of the madman. The attitude of the madman will always justify... In other words, what I'm saying is this, is that is that, um, uh, is that, is that the... Uh, there, there's things I'm talking about the thought processes. I'm talking about attitudes. I'm talking about those different things, behavioral patterns, uh, in, uh, even beliefs uh, in that 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 are in our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. Our mind and our emotions carry things, right? And when we get saved, the first thing—notice what the first thing that he said—he goes, "What have we to do with you, Jesus?" So the first thing that, this, that that these demons said is that you can stay over there, Jesus, and we can be over here, and we can coexist and be okay. That's what, really what they're saying here. Now... This is what happens when we get saved, is that we get saved, we start going to church, we start, you know, reading the Bible and praying and worshiping and doing whatever, and for a while, those attitudes and those thought processes and those beliefs, those hurts, those pains, those offenses, those will actually sit there and try to justify, they'll try to justify uh, the the fact that they can say, well, you know, you can be a Christian and we'll just hang out here. We'll hang out in the corner of your heart over here. We'll, we'll just s- separate off a little room here and maybe put up a, a curtain or something and we'll hang out over here in this part of your heart and you can still give the rest of your heart to church and to Jesus and to loving God and to reading the Bible, but we're just going to hang out over here. You know, that's the first thing that those attitudes try to do, right? And we need to understand, no, no, it don't work that way. You start growing in God, and you realize he gets all of your heart. Amen. He gets it all. There is nothing that that is off limits to Jesus. My heart cannot say, what have I to do with you, Jesus? No. I I am bought with a price. I am not my own. Praise God. Now, with that, notice the interesting thing. He said that there, there, there was going to be a time. There, there's a time. He goes, have you come to us before the time? See, that's the the second thing that those attitudes and those belief systems that hang out, that they're they're part of the the madman, right? That uh, they hang out and they start to say, and here's really what's happening, is that um, hurt and pain, offense, these different things, just attitudes, they start saying that, well, I know when we get to heaven, I won't be allowed anymore, but as long as I'm on the earth, that I have the right to be here. You know, this was several years ago, quite a few years ago now. I was in my kitchen, and most of you guys have heard me say this before, but I was in my kitchen and not really doing much, just cleaning and stuff. And uh, and uh, the Lord spoke to me very clearly. And he said this, he goes, you never have the right to be mad ever again. And He's not I'm not talking about righteous indignation against the devil. I'm just talking about anger, right? I'm just talking about anger, uh, you know, toward people or toward whatever. He goes, you don't have the right to be mad ever again. And that, man, I stopped. And honestly, I was just thinking, well, what? He's like, nope, never again. And on what's funny is I actually thought, well, you know, that that kind of made me mad. You know, because, hey, you're taking away my right. You're taking away my right to be mad. You know, now, actually, I don't have anger issues, but he's trying to deal with me about something. He's going, no, you're bought with a price. You don't have the right to do that anymore. But you see, the, what what was that? When he said that to me, that, that little thing of anger... Even though, like I said, I don't have big anger issues or anything like that. People who know me know that I don't, I don't get all you know mad about stuff. But still, I don't have the right to ever, ever be, be mad again. I don't have that right because I'm bought with a price. But you see, that little voice comes up, right, and it says, Oh, no, you have the right. You have the right. Be mad. You have that right. And, and when somebody tries to violate your rights, Oh, now the fight's on, right? And that's what the demon is saying. He's going, You don't have the right, Jesus. You don't have the right. I have a right to be here. Now, uh, here's an interesting thing. Let me just, okay, let me just uh, address this real briefly. This this man, the madman of Gadera, Turn back over to Mark chapter five. Uh, but as we're going there, let me just talk about this briefly. Um, the madman of Gadera, He had a lot of a lot of problems. He had a lot of demons on the inside of him. That doesn't happen to just anybody. Right, no, we don't see that anywhere else. Actually, in 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 the, the Gospels, where the, somebody had that many devils, right? And so, uh, so this guy apparently had been involved with some stuff that opened the door up for the devil. Right? this the devil doesn't have the right just to come and possess anybody uh, and especially 2,000 of them so apparently this guy at some point in time in his life he had opened up the door big time for the devil to come on the inside and he yielded and yielded and yielded and yielded and yielded, and yielded. In I don't know how many different ways or 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 whatever, and he yielded to such a huge degree that he allowed two thousand at least. Well, we don't know. We don't know what the number was. We know there was two thousand pigs. So, but there was there was legion because there was many, right? So there was probably thousands of devils on the inside of him. We don't know how many, but there was a lot. But he yielded so much that thousands, potentially thousands of demons, are on the inside of him. He he apparently had to do some things by his own free will, to allow this to take place. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, what's interesting about that is Jesus doesn't even address that. He doesn't ask him, oh, so... What did you do when you were, you know, whatever, 13, 14, 18, 20, 22? What did you do to open the door up for the devil? How much did you yield to the devil? How much sin did you get into? How many demonic things were you were you involved with the occult? How many sacrifices did you do? Blah, blah, blah. You know, he didn't get into all that. He didn't, notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, okay, you know, guy, you're going to have to uh, uh, renounce everything you've ever done. Now, I'm not saying that uh, sometimes people do need to repent for what they've done, but he didn't get into any of that. That was not part of this. It was just Jesus and freedom. That's what it was. Praise God. And we need to realize that's what it's always going to be about. It's Jesus and freedom. Okay, in other words, what I'm saying is don't put yourself up on some kind of <clears throat> altar that, that somehow you have to, you know, go through all the stuff that, and sit there going, "Oh, maybe I opened the door for this, maybe I opened the door, maybe I, maybe I, maybe I. Well, maybe you did. This guy apparently did, but Jesus didn't even address that. He just set the guy free. Praise God. Jesus is bigger than anything that you've ever done. Glory to God. Let's just let Jesus be bigger. Amen? Let's just let Jesus be Jesus and let him, let him be the, the one who frees us. Let him be the one who actually can overcome all of our nonsense from the past, and let's just take care of it. Okay? Now, with this, though, like I said, this guy, he had, you know, the, the, the one in Matthew, he's sitting there going, well, you know you don't have the right. You don't have the right. And that's what the devil will try to say. The devil will say, you don't even have the right to be free. Number one, the attitude will try to say it has the right to be there. Okay. But number two, the other thing that will happen is that the devil will say you don't have the right to be free because of things you've done in the past. And that's what we need to sever in that. We need to understand Jesus did not interrogate this man to find out what he did in the past. He just set him free. Glory to God. And if somebody with thousands of devils can be set free, then we can be set free. Praise God. Just that easy, just that fast. Glory to God. And so, don't let the devil the, the devil ever tell you that you don't have the right to be free. Don't let your mind tell you you don't have the right to be free. Don't let your heart tell you you don't have the right to be free. Because you have the right to be free because you're a child of the living God. Hallelujah. Okay? And like I said, the other thing is that, is that we can't put it off to another time. Now, notice, what, I, I, I want us to understand what fuels the thought of that right, of that um, justification. Back over there in Mark chapter 5, we see something really interesting here. Okay, um, we see something really interesting in Mark chapter 5 here. It says, uh, well, let's see. um, Okay, verse 3, he says, "...who had his dwelling among the tombs." And no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with chains and fetters, da-da-da. And then down to verse 5, and always night and day he was always in the mountains and in the tombs, crying, cutting himself uh, with a loud voice. Now, um, we see a couple different times here, then, that, uh, in fact, in verse 2, it says, Immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with unclean spirit. So we th- see three different times here in this text, where did this guy hang out? In the mountains and the tombs. We see three times the tombs are listed here. Now, this is interesting to me. This guy didn't hang out in the city. He wasn't comfortable in the city. He was comfortable among the tombs. He was comfortable, uh, basically, what, what are tombs? Well, tombs are where dead people are, right? Tombs are are they're, they're old-fashioned cemeteries, right? This is just where the tombs. This is where people's dead bodies are, and he's comfortable among the dead. He's comfortable there. This is where he hangs out. It says three different times that he came, he, he lived among the tombs. And like I said, if I if I see something a specific detail listed here, I pay attention. If I see it listed three different times, then I really pay attention because that is a significant point that that the Holy Spirit wanted to make. That this guy. His condition was being fueled from the environment he was living in. This is the same thing with us. Our condition is being fueled by the environment that we're living in. Okay. Now he was he was living in the tombs, and the tombs were fueling his uh, uh, um, attitude of justification for having the for basically those attitudes being having the right to stay there. Now Rachel and I, we when we got married. Um, uh, we lived in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, and just right down the road there was a cemetery, and we just go and walk through the cemetery every now and then, and 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 we you know we enjoy walking through different ones because just the headstones are interesting, you know, and you could you get to just I don't know walk through and you get to see history, uh, you know, just on these headstones and stuff. We we were uh, there in you know downtown Eugene um, this last year, going through the Pioneer Cemetery there over by the university, and that was really cool because you know, with the dates that are on these headstones, um, you know the only way they got here was by the wagon trains. You know, and that just, uh, that fascinates me. You know, that whole era of history is amazing to me. And so I get intrigued as I'm I read these headstones. But the thing is, you know, we don't live there. You know, we don't hang out there all the time. We just like to go there once in a while. But now, uh, when you're talking about tombs, though, when you're talking about even cemeteries, there's two prevailing... Feelings that you get at a cemetery, or two prevailing, you know, attitudes that you can get at a cemetery. Number one is uh, obviously death, right? It's grief, it's loss. There's a sense of loss at a cemetery. There's a sense of of grief at a cemetery. You know, if you've ever been to a funeral service at a, you know, a graveside service, you know, it's it can be very grieving there. You know, there's a, a sense of grief there, and that's what that's what's all around you at a cemetery is is a sense of loss. You know, families who have lost somebody, you know. Um, and then the, the second thing is that there is, there is this sense of uh, the questions. You know, especially when you're dealing with um, grave markers of young people. Because you you wonder, why did this happen? How did this happen? You know, and, and th- this is what fuels the madman. He hung out in the tombs because that's where he was comfortable. He was comfortable around the sense of grief, sense of loss, and the questions. And this is what gives and fuels those attitudes that think they have the right to be in us. I'm, talking, I'm not talking about demons. I'm just talking about attitudes, thought processes that think they have the right to remain in our soul. When we have these attitudes of hurt, and pain, and offense, and unforgiveness, and bitterness, and and just rebellion, you know, lack of submission, these different attitudes, you know, control issues, uh, anger issues, um, you know, jealousy, and insecurity, and fears, all of those things are being fueled from the same thing. And it goes back to times in our life when we had a sense of loss. It could be that we had things that we, we, um, you know, uh, felt should have happened that didn't happen or we were believing God for something and it didn't come to pass the way that we thought or you know we, we or maybe we had an actual death in the family and, and and that never got resolved in our heart we still don't know why it happened and ultimately all those all those different times of hurt and pain and loss all those different times what they do, is they they fuel the questions because it comes from this place. Where was God? Why didn't he do what he said he was going to do? Why, you know, all these questions start coming up. And so with every question that comes up, there is an attitude that says it has the right to be there. And this is what fuels the madman. This is what fuels the guy that, that is hanging out in the tombs. And like I said, it could be doubt. It could be unbelief. It could be fear. It could be insecurity. It could be, uh, you know, all kinds of bad things. Uh, but it's robbing from us. And it's keeping us bound up in a prison. You know, and uh, and the, the has, it thinks it has the right to be there, though. It thinks it actually has the right. You know, that that we just think, well, every now and then I have the right to get mad. No, you don't. Not as a child of God, you don't. Every now and then I have the right to, to be hurt. Every now and then I have the right. No, you don't. you know or or, men, or people just feel like they, they have the right to keep unforgiveness. You don't have that right. But you see, if, if what I do is if I, if I hang out in the tombs, if I continually uh, allow the thoughts of my past to to be at the forefront of my mind, then I will continually think I have the right. To to rebel, to disobey God, to not trust God, and the problem is this: is that uh, you know we we have to like you know Paul said this you know in Philippians chapter three he said I have to forget those things which are behind. I have to forget about those things. You know we have to realize that um, those questions of the past they feed the madman. And if if you know it says you know somebody years ago asked me um, how do you forget something. How can you just forget it? Because it did happen, obviously. But how do you just forget it? And quite simply, the, the simplest answer is, well, you just don't remember it. You know, you just don't remember it. That's how you forget it. You just don't remember it. But if you understand what remembrance is, if you understand re- what remembrance is, then you'll, you'll, feel, you'll know how to forget something. Because uh, what remembrance does is, remembrance is when you put the members of something back together again. You remember it. You actually, you know, because right now, in your mind, there you have myriads of experiences, myriads of conversations, of arguments, of, of, of just past circumstances, of all kinds of good and bad things, and they are scattered around your brain. They're scattered around. And depending on how far back they are, the more scattered they are. Okay, but here's the thing. In order for me to actually uh, uh, pull it back to the front forefront of my thought, I have to remember it. I have to take the things. Now, it begins with a thought. And I know you know what I'm talking about where, you know, you can be sitting there minding your own business and suddenly a thought or, a, or something comes up from your past and it's just a thought about maybe a conversation that was had or an argument that was done or something that was hurtful that happened to you. And it just kind of, it begins as maybe a feeling or it begins as a, just a single thought of, oh, you remember that? You know, now at first, at first you don't remember everything about it. At first, you just have a thought or a feeling that is kind of a hint toward it. It's a, just a little, a little image or a glimpse of it, right? But then, what do you have to do? You have to remember it. So what you have to, what you do is you start grabbing a hold of. Oh, and then this was said, and I said this, and they said this, and this was done, and then this was done, and they shouldn't have done this, and they shouldn't have done that, and here's what happened, and man, and so what do you do? You're remembering it. You actually taking the members and you're putting it back. To together again. And what that does is it fuels the justification for the feelings and the hurt and the pain to to say it has the right to stay in you. And it doesn't. But you see, I have to forget these things. I I can't hang out in the tombs. The tombs are full of grief, loss, and questions. And honestly, it doesn't matter if you have all the questions answered in the world, it still will not fill the void. Okay? Only Jesus can be the answer. Only he can fill that void. And until we actually get our heart right, even if Jesus were to actually explain everything to me, I wouldn't understand it until my heart is at a place of faith for me to actually get a hold of it. But if I'm still at hurt and loss and pain, I won't understand it even if it's explained to me perfectly. It wouldn't make any sense because I'm not at a place of faith. And it's by faith we understand things, says in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, uh, but we need to get, get a hold of this, that, that we, we can't allow the, the frustrations and disappointments of our past to continue to linger. We have to, we have to forget those things we' behind. You know, it says, of course, in James chapter 1, that you, you can look into the Word and you can turn and go your way and you forget what manner of man you are. You know, now here's the thing. The same thing can be true of the world. I can look at something, you know, in other words, my mind can bring an image of something up that happened in my past, and if I turn and go God's way, I will forget that. I will forget what, what kind of man I used to be, and I will remember what kind of man I am in the Word. Simply by, like I said, I can't, but if I, once again, just as so much as if I'm a doer of the Word, if I'm a doer of the Word, I won't be, be a forgetful hearer, right? If I'm a doer of the Word, I will not be a forgetful hearer of who I am in the Word. But I, here's the thing, if I'm doing or if I'm remembering and, and acting on the glimpses from my past, if I'm acting on those things, if I'm letting those come out of my mouth, those things come out of my heart, if I'm remembering those things and are stirring those things up, then I'm not going to be a forgetful hearer of the hurt and the pain either. Whatever I'm acting on, I, I put a demand for remembrance on. And those are the, 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 the hurt and the pain and the questions and the frustrations. Those are the things that fuel those, the, the madman. He hung out in the tombs. He was not he was not content. He was not happy. He was not comfortable where there was life. He was comfortable where there was death. He was comfortable where there was loss and separation and questions. Frustrations and disappointments. That's what he was comfortable with. And, and, and right now, you, you have to realize that whatever you feed will grow and whatever you starve will die okay, if you, if you feed the madman, then that's going to grow, if you starve that thing, it's going to die, okay, but you can't remember those things, and and you think you're going to be free, now notice, let, let's just talk about his his freedom, let's just kind of get past all that, we've already talked about the characteristics of the madman, uh, self-sabotage, and, and being, you know, uh, you can't do it through willpower, we've talked about uh, what fuels the madman, as far as um, the, the attitudes of justification, the, the, the thoughts of the past that, that fuel these things. And let's talk about just getting free. Praise God. That's the goal, right? Getting free. Now, um, notice the first thing that happened here. In um, verse 6, it says, But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. He ran and worshipped Jesus. I love this. Now, I don't think it was the demons that came and worshipped Jesus. There's some people who th- think that this was the demon. I, I've talked to people, they think, oh, that, that was just the demon. No, I don't think that's the case. Because what happens is people, they, they, they have this perception that uh, all the demons always had to come, and like, like Jesus was some kind of demon magnet, you know that he just attracted demons, and the demons just had to come and bow. That's not the case. We do see it happening once in a while, but we don't see it happening every time. In fact, there was other times when people would bring demoniacs to Jesus, and Jesus would cast the devil out. The devil didn't come running, okay. And and uh, like I said, if if uh, you know, it's kind of like when I was in. Uh, oh, we lived in Tulsa, and uh, we were going to church there, a Church on the Move, and we had a lady named uh, Emily Barnes. Emily Barnes, and she uh, was a traveling minister, and what she did was she spoke mostly in women's meetings, and she spoke toward uh, organization of your home and, and cleanliness and, and just organizing your life in different ways like this. Well, she was having a conference at our church, and she had a product table. Now, on her product table, she, she did have a couple books and stuff, but mostly it was like uh, organizational tools and cleaning products and stuff like this for your home. And so I'm walking through the lobby, uh, of the church and they have these, these product tables just huge amounts of product and me and um, the guy who worked with me Troy we're walking by and uh, they had these uh, feather duster type things um, sitting on the on the table product table you know because because she's selling these feather dusters and there was a sign by the feather duster and it said whatever the name of the duster was and it said it attracts dust that's what it says attracts dust and I'm walking by and I go well that's a lie And uh, and Troy was like what are you talking about I go, well, that sign says that that feather duster attracts dust. And if that's the case, you have like 25 feather dusters there, right? And if there's 25 of them here and they're all attracting dust, then there would be a giant tornadic vortex Of dust swirling around the lobby all coming into the these feather dusters right and the the air around us would be free of dust because it would be all just being siphoned and sucked into the vortex of dust being attracted by these 25 feather dusters but that wasn't the case i could walk over five feet away and there was some dust so um uh but I only say that because that's how people they, they think Jesus was. like somehow he attracted demons and that's why this guy ran over to him. But that's not the case because if that was the case, everywhere he went, all the demoniacs would come out of the woodwork and all of them would run to Jesus and become some kind of big tornadic event of demons all the time. That wasn't the case. So I know that, that the, the only reason why this man ran to Jesus, is because, now we know the devils didn't want anything to do with Jesus, right? So we know that wasn't the case. So the reason this man ran to Jesus is because this man's will, he had a free will, and his will was still more powerful than all the devils on the inside of him. Praise God. Your will is the strongest thing you have. See, God can't violate your will, right? He designed your will so you can have free will all the time, and he will not violate your will. He cannot do that. He, he, you know, If you want to go to heaven, then all you have to do is ask the Lord. He'll save you. Praise God. If you want to do something else stupid, then you can go do something else stupid. That's your will to do it. He's not going to violate that will. Now, if God can't violate my will, the devil sure can't violate my will. Because the devil's not stronger than God. Praise God. And so here, this man's will was so strong... Let me put it this way, your will is so strong that 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 even if you had thousands of, of demonic uh, possessional things going on in the inside of you, you could still come to Jesus. Praise God. He came to Jesus. And that's the first thing we need to realize is that this is not about self-discipline, or even willpower, it's about my will to come to Jesus. That's the first thing I need to realize, is that I am free to come to Jesus. It doesn't matter what kind of thoughts you've had, doesn't matter what kind of behavior patterns you've had, doesn't matter what kind of sin you've had in your life, you can always come to Jesus. And that's the first thing you have to do, is humble yourself to come to Jesus, praise God. Jesus is Lord, and He's Lord over you, He's Lord over your life, He's Lord over your mind, and if you give Him that Lordship, then their freedom is easy. This man didn't, he didn't know how to be free. Otherwise, he would have been free. It says, and nobody else could tame him. Nobody knows how to to walk out your freedom, but Jesus, you understand, Jesus is the only one that can walk out your freedom for you and with you. Praise God. But it begins with us coming to Jesus. We have to stop being a victim to, uh, um, <laughs> we have to stop being a victim to our past start, stop being a victim to how bound up we perceive ourselves to be and stop saying it's too big it's not too big for Jesus humble yourself to Jesus go to him spend time at his feet spend time in worship spend time in prayer just allow And, and like I said, in, in the middle of that place the, those attitudes will say you don't have the right to be there those attitudes will say they have more right to be in you than that Jesus has to be in you and that's not the, the case at all you are a born again child of God Old things have passed away and all things have been made new. You're a brand new creation in Christ. Praise God. Just be with Jesus. That's the first thing we got to do is just allow yourself to be with him. Amen. Now, notice what, what happened here um, at the end of this. Um, it says, uh, verse 15, he he the, the uh, it says, And they come to Jesus, verse 15, They came to Jesus, and they see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed. And in his right mind, and what was their situation? And they were afraid. It says, and they saw that I was told to him what the devil's happened, and they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. Notice this. What was their response? They weren't rejoicing. They weren't, you know, They, I'm sure they had been praying to have deliverance from this madman for as long as the madman had been around. I don't know how many years but I'm sure they've been praying for God to deliver them of the madman, so they could be free, so they could actually take the borders off, so they could actually go out and have a picnic with their family. I'm sure they've been praying for deliverance, and deliverance comes, and notice this, verse at the end of verse 15, and they were afraid, and then they kicked Jesus out of town. That's what they did. Isn't that something? They didn't ask Jesus to come, and and have a big conference. They didn't have ask Jesus to come and have a meal with them. They didn't, they didn't praise God. They didn't rejoice. They were afraid. Now, I want you to understand that these are the same ones who have been praying for deliverance. But here's what happens is this, is that they, just like many times us, they were more comfortable with the old bondage than they were with the, than they were with the new freedom. They were more comfortable with bondage than they were with freedom. And this is something that we have to just repent of. We just have to begin to identify with truth. And, not, and, and we have to um, uh, realize that, that when we have freedom, there is no excuses. We, can't, we cannot blame our past anymore. We can't blame uh, what people did to us. We can't blame uh, the, the enemy anymore. Because when we're free, whom the Son says free is free indeed. Praise God. But in that freedom, there's no more excuses. I don't have an excuse as to why I'm not doing what God told me to do. I don't have an excuse. But you see, as long as there's bondage, there's an excuse. As long as there's bondage, there's something I can blame and say, well, yeah, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll do what God has for me to do once I'm free from this. You see, the longer, we're, the longer we're bound up, the more comfortable we get with that bondage. And we need to understand that, man, God wants me to be free. He wants us to be so free today. Glory to God. But we, we don't kick him out of town. Okay, here's the issue. They could not control this madman. He, he could, it says that no man could tame him, no man could bind him. They could not control this madman. Jesus comes and deals with him very easily. So now, here's what they know. If they can't control the madman, and Jesus came and dealt with him, they know there's no way they can control Jesus. Because if they can't control this man, then they can't control the one who controlled him. Right? (laughs) Does that make sense? (laughs) If they couldn't control the madman, then they definitely can't control the one who dealt with him. And this is usually what it all comes down to, is we still want to be in control. And we are much more comfortable with the perception, even though it's a counterfeit perception, the perception of control with bondage than trust without bondage. Because freedom requires me to trust God. And we would rather have our own control over the limitations and over the perceived, you know, control of the bondage. Over all, it's all it's all deception. But it, it, it you know, the unrenewed soul likes the idea of control more than the idea of, of freedom because with freedom that requires trust, and you can't have control and trust at the same time. And that's usually where the issue is, right? And so what we have to do is we need to come to Jesus, and we need to allow Him. Just to, just to begin to, to free us up from, from all the bondage, but how, all our job is is come to him and then begin to identify with freedom more than with control. Identify with freedom more than with bondage. Begin to identify yourself as a child of God, free, and whom the Son says free is free indeed. And in doing so, reject and resist Areas where you want to take control again and resist the, the, the perception of the rights that you have to hold to, to keep unforgiveness or offense or hurt or pain or anger or whatever you don't have the right to keep those things anymore but what we have to do is we come to Jesus and he, I tell you what he this is not an arm wrestling match. God is infinitely bigger than, than the devil he can He can make us free right now today. And all we have to do is take our will and yield it to his power. And take all those questions, all those frustrations, all those hurts and pains, all the sin, all the things that we think keep us bound and bring it, I mean, I don't care if you just bring it in a big old ugly garbage sack, bring it to the feet of Jesus. Let him take care of all those things. He died for all of those things. He took all those things already. He's already dealt with all those things. He's already purified you of them. He's already separated you from them. And all we have to do is come and allow him to deal with the madman. And trust him in it. It's our first nature to trust God. But we simply have to yield to that. Amen? So let's go ahead and pray. We'll wrap it up right there. Father, I just thank you, Lord God. I thank you for your word. I just thank you, Lord God, that, that you don't want us to be bound up one more moment. Not even a moment. Not even one more second. Praise God. And so we're just going to rejoice right now. Let's just lift him up. Let's just rejoice. Let's just give it to Jesus. Praise God. Yep, we just rejoice right now in freedom. We are free. Whom the Son says free is free indeed. We are free. Glory to God. We don't carry it anymore. Lord God, we don't. We run to Jesus. We run to you. We lay all the questions at your feet. We lay all the hurt and all the pain at your feet. We lay all the dis- d- disappointments and frustrations. We lay all the grief and the pain the loss at your feet. We don't want to be identified with it anymore. Praise God. We identify with Jesus. We identify with freedom. We identify with with the love of God. We identify with who we are in you. Praise God. See with you in heavenly places. That's who we are in Christ. And I just thank you right now, Lord God, that we are free. And we just, Father God, show us how to walk this out. But ultimately, Lord God, we choose to trust you. We choose to trust you, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord God, we will not choose to remember the things of old. We will be a doer of the word and not a forgetful hearer of who we are in you. We just thank you that we are free, Lord God. And we do not identify with the madman in any way, Lord God. We identify with Jesus. And we give you glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today on Wisdom and Stuff. Don't forget to subscribe to get new updates and check out our podcast page on Podbean to find all our previous posts and full-length messages. We'll see you next time and have a blessed day.